Welcome to another episode of Deadhead Space. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined by Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And Candace Nola. Say hello, Candace. Hello. Today we are talking to three awesome authors. So let's start with Catherine Silva. Say hello, Catherine. Hello, hello. And say hello, Zachary Rosenberg. Hello. And also say hello, Robert P. O'Tone. Oh, hi. Brandon, do you want to start, Candice? First, first question. Wow. Just jump in, then why don't you? Sounds like Candace wants to do it. Yeah, it sounds I... like Candace wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then, hi, everybody. Let's <laughs> just jump right in here. Um, do I have a question prepared? No, I don't, because I didn't prepare a list of questions, because it's a panel, and I like to, you know, just kind of see where things lead. That being said, you all have had one hell of a year, so um, why don't we kind of go down that road real quick and start with Kat, and tell us about what you have accomplished this year. And those, those of course, will be the things we're going to talk about here real soon. So Kat, brief little intro with you and what you have worked on this year, what we can expect, and then we'll move on to Zach and then Rob, and then we'll just jump in. Okay. Sounds right. good. Um, so hi, I am Catherine Silva, Cat for short, and I am a Maine horror author. Uh, this year, I came out with two different books. I had The Wild Fall, which is the sequel to The Wild Dark, which came out in August. And I had Lost Oblivion, which is the sequel to Hell at Oblivion, which just came out, gosh, two weeks ago? Maybe a week ago? <laughs> Time moves so quickly. Um, it was a week ago. And um, that is, that's, those are kind of like the last books that I'm writing in the Wild Oblivion series for now. Uh, so there's just a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, grief horror and existential horror and all kinds of sad stuff. Sad, but amazing stuff too, because I've read it. So. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Zach or Rob, who wants to jump in? All right. Um, Rob, do you want the floor? No, you go. <laughs> yes, sir. When Rob, said, when Rob says I obey. Uh, um, my name is Zach Rosenberg. I am a horror writer out of Florida. And this year I have really hit the ground with writing. Um, I released my first book, which is a Jewish horror Western called Hungers as Old as This Land, um, just a few months ago. And then also a few months ago was my second one, um, a Jewish cosmic horror uh, noir book called The Long Shalom with Off Limits Press. Um, and this year I've thankfully managed to get a lot of stories out in the world in random publications and anthologies and really proud of actually finally sold a story to the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. So that's kind of awesome. Uh, sorry to interject, but um, might be a silly question. Would you mind describing your own words? What Jewish horror is? What is yes. it to you? Um, I was, Jewish horror to me is horror from a Jewish perspective. Um, 
with Jewish characters, uh, taking um, perhaps taking from Jewish folklore, Jewish uh, religion, or Jewish history. Uh, sorry, I, I thought Candace was going to go. My bad. Uh, thank you, Zach. Oh, no, no, my pleasure. Robert, right. sir. Hello, I'm I'm Robert, uh, P. O'Tone. Uh, 2023 has been busy. I have uh, two novels out and a collection of short fiction coming out October 27th called Wrapped in Plastic and Other Sweet Nothings. And uh, this past summer, I won the Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement, Young Adult Novel, for my book, uh, The Triangle, which um, I'm still very, like, reeling from. Um, but I have a lot of things coming in 2024 as well. But my most recent uh, releases are Curse of the Cobman, which is an idea so absurd it hurts, and the Wrapped in Plastic collection, which uh, sort of had its debut uh, sales thing at uh, the Lovecraft Arts and Sciences bookstore that Kat and I were at uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, whatever it was. But yeah. So the common one is when I saw that cover, I... Uh... <laughs> That yeah, you texted <laughs> oh, I don't even okay, I probably did because it was yeah. one of those where I was like, Oh yeah, I did. Because it was one of those where it was just uh it's really silly and I, I don't know what it's about, but I expect it to be like over the top um with I guess everything. So <laughs> I wanted yeah. to steal the questions from Brennan uh Candace super quick and just ask if you can talk about any aspect of that book. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Curse of the Cobman. Um, the Cobman is something that my one of my best friends and I invented back in high school, and um, we created this sort of like folkloric uh, entity that we convinced a lot of our friends was real. Shows how dumb they all are and were. And the essential idea is that you are meant to make an offering on Halloween night to the Cobman, and if you do not make that offering gonna have a bad time and uh this town apple valley which i've like written about tangentially um they've been making the offering for hundreds of years until someone decides to play a trick thinking that well it's not real and they steal the offerings from a good portion of the town's uh you know homes and all hell kind of breaks loose Hello. <laughs> I'm excited about the Cobb Man. It's fun. I just got my author copies. Uh, I'll be selling them uh, in Toronto. A little ghost books. I have a couple that I'm that I brought with me here. I'm in Canada right now. This is not my normal setup. I'm <laughs> in a I'm in a hotel room in Canada. Um, they do not have good pizza. Can confirm. Shots fired. <laughs> I, i'm jealous though because you get to be a little ghost shop i always see it posted it looks really awesome yeah and the yeah. owners the owner's great too yeah they're amazing they're great i'm very excited to go um i've literally never left the united states before today so oh wow uh, first time brendan jump in sir sure um so 
Kat and Zach, you know, when you were doing your introductions, you mentioned where you're from. And Rob, I know you're a Long Island guy. So uh, starting with Zach, I'd actually love to go around and just hear how, if at all, your the, the area you live in impacts what you write and how you write it. Um, oh, well, thank you, Brennan. That's really interesting. Well, I live in Florida and it's probably the most terrifying place on earth right now. So um, all joking aside, though, um, there is a very strong Jewish community here. So I'm really uh, keyed into that. And it's been, you know, very helpful. But Florida has also got some really beautiful scenery and wildlife. And I do take a lot of inspiration from that, honestly. Would you say I, I'm trying I'm thinking of your uh, your 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 books and obviously one is kind of set in the Old West and the other is set in the uh, 20s or 30s? 1920s. Yeah. Um, would you say your short fiction kind of relies on that Florida setting more or? Um, usually my usually um, a lot of my short stories have been kind of futuristic or historical. I do have some, though, in kind of a more contemporary Florida setting. Um, more kind of northern Florida, like um, I have a few set in Miami that um, I have kind of cooking right now. But yeah, there, there, there's definitely kind of um, definitely some Floridian influence there. I really there, there's a lot of Florida kind of like there's great history that I really like here. There's, like I said, beautiful scenery and wildlife and just really, I think, fascinating places to set a good horror story. Yeah, it's you're ripe for it there. <laughs> yeah, really I'm going to throw really strong horror writers in Florida, Gabby Triana, Zach, Wendy Dalrymple, like all three of them are real. Well, Stephen King too. You know, if you guys know him, but, um, he's in Sarasota. He, yep. He's right in Sarasota now, but, uh, yeah, a lot of really real, a lot of talented people down there. I'm actually meeting Wendy tomorrow. Wendy's cool. What? I'm really excited. Oh, wait, I'm, I think I missed it. Uh, you're talking about Wendy that, uh, was the editor for nightmare magazine, right? Uh, no, not Wendy Wagner. Wendy Dalrymple. Yeah. Oh, my my bad. I don't I don't know her. Hmm. Oh, she's great. She writes she writes very like Florida Gothic stuff. It's really oh, really okay. Good. That sounds yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, I I'd, I'd like to jump in and really talk about your writing. Um, I you know what? I'm just gonna ask it. Uh, so Lost Oblivion. That I love the cover. It's really cool. It's like kind of. I know it's not watercolor, but kind of looks like it. Real quick, maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I love what they did with it because it, it's just like kind of weird and creepy enough where you're like, what's this about? But I want to hear from you. What is uh, something you can tell us that you're most excited about that is in lost oblivion without spoiling anything. If that's, if that's possible, that's kind of a loaded question. Sorry. Well, that's no, it's fine. Um, so yeah, lost oblivion. I actually did the cover for it. Um, and I definitely wanted there to be sort of an, ombre effect with the the green going into the blue um and i yeah i mean there's a subtlety like i like there to be enough creepiness to it that it's like eerie but not um just full-on horror but um it's really pretty too thank you um yeah the story it's really funny rob was talking about his childhood monster uh <laughs> in the cob man and i actually went back to my childhood also to create a monster for lost oblivion uh which is one that i used to have recurring nightmares about so it's been a little 
bit of time. Um, it was um, a little scary trying to jump back in there and think about this thing, but I wanted there to be a, uh, a something unusual that was not soul eating wolves for characters to be surprised by in this one. And it is definitely, uh, it comes out of left field and it is uh, hopefully not something that people will uh, be able to handle, <laughs> I guess. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's scary for me anyway. So, so yeah, scary monster. Brennan, sorry, go ahead, buddy. I cut you off. Oh, no, thank you, you're thank fine. you, Catherine. By the way, I'm kind you're, of you're fine. I'm trying. I'm trying to now. I'm, I'm like, do we go back to the first question? Do we keep? Fuck it. Whatever. We're we're here now. Um, I fucked it up. My bad. <laughs> so, Cat, we're gonna stick with you. Um, so you can tie it in with uh, this book or with you know anything in this world. But how does Maine impact the way you write? Well, I am. I'm very uh, nature oriented when it comes to writing horror. I do like to write a lot about like woods that are scarier than normal. Um, and spoiler, not spoiler, you know, I've got another nature themed work in progress that I'm working on, but basically Maine is very steeped in sort of, I guess people would describe it as backwoods, but it's not, not really. Um, there's just, there's a lot of beauty and ruggedness about Maine that I like to bring to my writing and not just Maine, but all of New England. So that's, that's where I try to capture the small towns and the, um, the unpredictability of the nature you can do that with New England and none of it would look like the other because every state's truly different. They all got their own thing. That might sound obvious to some people, but like maybe some people have never been here to New England and think it's all kind of one blended woods. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, have you thought of uh, exploring Vermont with, with some of those themes? Well, my uh, partner in crime is actually from Vermont. So, Oh, end up over there quite a bit and this uh one of the last books i wrote the wild fall does take place partially in vermont so nice. so my, i'm getting around to all all the different states my friend has a place in east corinth and i've only been there once but he was showing me they're all in driving distance he was showing me all these uh actual sets from the original beetlejuice but it's super mm -hmm. sad. This is before the second one was filmed. I don't know if it's different, but um, like the hill, the bridge where the main house is, the house isn't there. And then this one shop, it's just uh, it's it's a disaster. It looks like a they no one gave a shit. And you would think there'd be tours there. Um, that's my experience with Vermont. It's just beautiful greenery. So that's a lot. If you add horror to that, especially your because you do some neat experimentation with your stories that I've read. I'd be super curious to see what you do with that. Well, maybe I will. Just have to find out. Brennan? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm, I'm watching Rob make faces at the camera. He's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is it, is it Canada? Is Canada doing this to you? Um, I, it, 
in the car for eight hours is what what do it. Yeah. You're getting New York withdrawal, which is a perfect way to segue into how does New York impact your writing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am feeling New York withdrawal after that pizza. Um, It it influences everything. Like, I I don't, um, you know, I'm a Long Island guy and spend a lot of time uh, in, like, the more metro parts of New York as well. But, like, none of those things really hold sway over me. Uh, You know, I, I love the ocean. I grew up on the ocean um and spent a lot of time there um and i always had like a deep-rooted fear of sharks because of my dad and jaws um and you know going to the beach and stuff as a kid but like i don't have like a lot of love for where i'm from uh as i get older the more i want to be away from that and um i a lot of my heart lives in like the upstate new york area sort of the, um, you know, like the uh, Hudson Valley region. Um, and I just, I love it there specifically. Like that's, I drove through it today and I had a hard time not stopping and just like soaking it all in. Um, I just, it, there's a certain part of uh, New York when you go off across the Tappan Zee Bridge, which is now the Governor Mario Cuomo Bridge, which I will never call it that, but you go across the Tappan Zee Bridge and you're in basically Sleepy Hollow, uh, Tarrytown, Sleepy Hollow. And that's where my dad's side of his family's from. So, like, I I really feel more at home there. Um, but New York is in everything that I write. Um, I did just finish something that is based on Long Island. It's my first full-length work that takes place on Long Island. And um, I'm excited to go into revisions on it. But it kind of, I, I do take some like historical stuff from Long Island and transpose it to sort of upstate New York. Um, Long Island has some really interesting history. We do have the Culper Spy Ring that helped during uh, the American Revolution. There was that show Turn that was literally all about that. That was all on Long Island. Um, and so, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. You know, the east end of Long Island, um, the Hamptons is rife with some interesting history as well. But... Um, you know, other than that, it's just the sound of lawnmowers pretty much constantly and uh, houses that are going up in value for no reason at all, which I will be cashing in on when I sell mine. But nevertheless, uh, it's just not my vibe uh, in the way that it used to. That's interesting. Because I'm just thinking about where I grew up from and I live 300 miles south of there, but that's because fuck snow <laughs> that's fine and the, and the real estate up there it's crazy expensive in massachusetts at least where i grew up um candace has a great question so why don't you take over world building just in case she forgot good job i don't know she gave me a look so i got nervous <laughs> and just spit out the first word i could think of well then since you mentioned it patrick thank you <laughs> You all have great ways with how you create your worlds within your stories. Pat, you have two very nice ones within your two. um, You have two of one, two of the other. Zach, you went with the Wild West and yours and had a great world within there. 
Robert, you do all types of stuff within all of your different worlds and the environments that you make. So can you can each of you speak on your thought? I can't talk at all today. Can you speak to your thought processes when you are creating your worlds? How do you keep them straight in your mind when you're writing each one of those? And do you have plans in writing future stories within those same universes that maybe are not connected, but they're in the same shared world that you already have? So whoever wants to start, jump in with that. I know there's three questions there, but worlds and how you view them and how you make them. Zach, you go. Yes, sir. Um, kind of one way I like to center myself in those worlds. Um, I'm very much a character first sort of writer. So kind of one way that I get kind of passionate about the world is to create the characters inside it and then kind of evolve the setting through their eyes. What do they experience? And then kind of grow on that. Like this is what the character experiences, but this is also what led to this place being what it is and going from there. Um, but I'm very much a POV sort of writer. I like to keep myself focused on my main characters and limit it to a certain amount of POVs so, they, so the reader can experience that world with them based upon hmm. what they know and what they find out. Um, there is kind of stuff like I would call it a bit of like maybe a Jewish shared universe thing here where kind of there are some Easter eggs and connections. There is a connection between hungers as old as this land and the long Shalom. It's not a huge one, but like if you know what you're looking for, you will see it. And there are some other connections and other stuff I've written. Um, I have a book coming out with Darklit Press next year where it's a Jewish pirate horror novel where you will also see some of those connections. So the answer is yes, I'm always, um, I really do like um, envisioning this as kind of a broad historical progression, not just a world, but kind of a history where you have these different characters interacting and doing things at various times. Um, right now I'm actually working on a sequel to Hungers. So um, that is going pretty well, um, awesome. I would say. It's been so far, you know, I'm, I'm not too far in it. It's been pretty fun so far. I Dude, have you knocked it out of the park with that first book. Oh, thank you so much, man. Um, like, seriously, like, uh, not for nothing, but there's oh, a reason man. why there's a website and a bunch of other places dedicated for men writing women badly. You, you do a really good job. It's just, thank it's you, not man. hard. They're humans, that. but I'm just <laughs> saying it's worth thrown out there you do a really good job and it was really it it's with westerns it's real easy to just write another similar western but you didn't do that so that's why i'm saying hats off to you man thank you so much pat well um i'm just gonna say that you know without spoilers i'm there's gonna be some people i'm gonna have to apologize when this one's done but i've got a i've got some uh ideas coming up i'm hoping people will like it and it's you know i'm really i i've got like a bunch of ideas in my head there's a you know there's the pirate one I'm working on. There's a uh, kind of some bigger uh, horror ones I want to write and, you know, trying to get agented with. There's a Jewish slasher that I'm kicking around in my head that I'm going to be writing pretty soon. So, you know, there's all, all sorts of different stuff. And I'm always getting inspired by stuff and people coming out. So I want to see what you do with the Jewish slasher. <laughs> and if you do anything bad to Esther and Siobhan, 
You're going to owe me a letter of apology. <laughs> I won't forgive you. <laughs> I, I, I take no responsibility for emotions that are damaged in the reading of my books. I think that's a fair stance to take yeah, as an author. Fair, <laughs> but Zach, when you are complete with your rough draft for part two, um, make sure it comes my way, sir. Uh, immediately, it first. if Everyone not sooner. Is entitled to it. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> that being first? said, let's move on to Cat and her worlds. Um, where would he go? Yeah, he's <laughs> he's back, popping in and out. Um, yeah, I I think each book is in this series is. Um, definitely has its own mood and and that's kind of where I start when I'm creating the world within the story um and a lot of the time I get into those moods by listening to certain kinds of music and so each book has its own soundtrack that I've put together and just by listening to those different songs I'm kind of able to get into the characters heads and um really tell the story a bit better um, you have a playlist that goes along with those that you've kind of like put yeah. out there, or is it just yours? Uh, there's playlists on Spotify. Nice. So, and each like story has them. They're also on my website, so people can find them there. Can you tell uh, us the website so I can write it down and put it in the show notes, please? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, CatherineSilvaAuthor.com. And, um, there are many, there are actually several different Catherine Silva authors, ironically enough. Um, <laughs> but um, there's only one that matters, Catherine. Yes. Nice. Just the, you, ma'am. Just that, you. I was going to say, we have the best year. <laughs> yeah, we um, Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I go. And What's interesting, I think, about the Wild Oblivion series is that it runs the gamut of different genres throughout the series. So there's, you know, one that's a little bit more fantasy. There's one that's a little bit more dystopian. There's one that's a horror comedy, you know, that's Christmas themed. There's a Halloween story. Um, there's just a, several different avenues for people to get into the series and kind of fall in love with it. Um, and I have been thinking about where the series is going to go in the future. It is going to keep evolving and changing um, and sort of pulling different genres into it. But I, I don't have anything concrete uh, okay. <laughs> at the moment for what I'm planning to do. So so you'd still plan to do more though i do there are nice. there the thing that's it, that's awesome about this series is there's so many different characters that can be explored and there's a whole 10 years of time span that happens between the wild dark and the wild fall so there's a lot of different places that i could go nice yeah so before before we go to rob um Kat, you had shared a graphic the other day about um, reading order, essentially, uh, with yeah. chronology, uh, the order you wrote them in, and the order you would recommend people read them in. 
Um, and I, I, if you, if you have anything to say about that, I'd love to hear it, but also I'd love to hear you talk about kind of any steps you took so that people could jump in at different places when you were writing the, the, the different books. Sure. Um, I think it's important that all of the stories have a definite beginning, middle and end so that they can all be enjoyed on their own as well as with the idea that people can just sort of jump in from any book uh, at any point. However, <laughs> it's probably a good idea not to read The Wild Fall first. <laughs> you know, there, there's definitely some that I, I would not read first. Um, and so with that in mind, I wanted there to be sort of like a guide, a suggested guide so that people could pick their way along um, so that things wouldn't be spoiled for them if they didn't want things spoiled for them. Um, so there is a chronological order. There is some people like reading it in the order that the author wrote it because that sort of shows the evolution of how the characters changed. Uh, and then the suggested order is just, you know, how, how the series can be enjoyed the best, in my opinion. Excellent. Robert, sir, how about you and your worlds? What's yeah. your approach? Uh, I have a map uh, that I've written out of my like fictional upstate New York area and um, all the notable landmarks, um, certain restaurants that feature in different stories and novels and stuff like that. And um, so I keep track that way with like what exists in the world that I've created so far. Nice. Um, even uh, my dystopian young adult book, that is the same universe as like my other stuff. It's just in the future. And um, it's just, I don't know. I like the idea of having everything in the same universe. I, I did write something uh, that I just turned in to uh, Weird House Press. It's a middle grade book. And I was kind of going back and forth with whether or not that exists in my like mainline, you know, fictional world or whatever, but I don't see a reason why it couldn't. So mm. I'm going to make the call now that it is. And uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. But I don't hold you to that at all. I write pretty similar, I think to Zach and Kat, oddly enough, like mm. I, I, it starts with character for me too, in the way that it does for Zach. And I put together playlists for every single thing that I do. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. And I find that, like, you know, having the soundtracks or whatever helps power the scenes as I'm writing them. Uh, and, like, uh, when Vile Thing came out, I did, like, a Twitter thread talking about all the different songs on the playlist. Uh, not all of them, but, like, a good, I would say, like, 65 to 70% of them. And, uh, you know, what their meanings were for the book and stuff like that. And I thought that was a lot of fun. I think that's something I'm going to do again um, with Wrapped in Plastic when that is out. Uh, I, I didn't make a playlist for The Cobman, uh, but I did listen to, um, like, fall sounds. Like, um, I think it was, like, cornfield sounds. So there was, like, the sounds of crickets, and there was, like, the wind blowing through the stalks and stuff like that. So I was listening to that while writing it. I was about to ask what exactly cornfield sounds. 
But yeah. I also knew the answer before I realized I was going to ask it because I was raised in the middle of the cornfields. So yeah, <laughs> um, that's great. I, I I actually think it's interesting how you each have your own ways with your worlds, and obviously we all have our own ways. But Zach s- starts with like I think I would phrase it as inside out where he starts with his characters and goes out through their eyes. Kat does a lot of music with hers and all all of that, which makes sense too. I can't write with music, not with words. I can do like instrumental type of stuff Mm -hmm. and only at certain parts when I write. Um, Very heavy action, very violent action scenes. I can do some music with, we won't talk about what kind. Um, (laughs) And my creepier things, I can do some instrumental music with, but for the most part, I can't. Like it has to be Hmm. quiet until I hit those particular moods in the book. But when it comes to like the worlds that I use, I start with the world itself rather than the like I make the world before I make the people in it if that makes sense like breach I had the entire world and the monsters and the plant life and how it looked how it smelled how it felt I had the world before I populated it so I I I just think it's neat how all of our brains work in a different way to but to achieve the same effect which is our own little world that we get our characters into. And we like to go back to those worlds, except I I don't have a shared universe like you guys have as of yet. I like to put mine into their own worlds. I don't think I'm going to go into the breach world. I think that one is done. I don't know if I ever will reach a shared universe type of point with my work, but I like the idea of it because it gives you like a home. Your readers get used to your world and it when they open that new book, it's like, oh, I'm back in a familiar spot again. And I like that. And when I read things like that, I like that, but I don't think I'm going to, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point in how I write just because of I'm all over the place and how I write. But I do like the idea of it because it gives you that sort of home base for your stories. That's what I'm that's what I'm trying to say. So well done with the shared universe. Probably something I can't do. I have detention span of a gnat, so you know. You could always try setting but it. But I like it. Periods, also, you, you know, like True. you know, you could always be like, "Oh, this happened 30, 40 years before," you know, Where whatever. Now. Yeah. And that way, the world, the world is the same, but it's different enough that it could still feel new. I could do that, and I do have one coming out that I could probably play with that. So yeah, I'll keep you asked. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Mm-hmm. 
I'm curious, like with Catherine, you were talking about the playlist thing. Mm. I always have like one core essential theme song for everything. Like there's always one song that it kind of starts with or emerges and then everything kind of builds around that. So like with the vile thing, it was Level Terrace Apart by Joy Division. That was like the core, you know, and that's not even my favorite Joy Division song. Like I like it, but it's not my fave. But what's like, your fave? My favorite Joy Division song is uh-huh. um, Transmission. Nice. I'm going to get a tattoo of that, of some of the lyrics from that. Um. Nice. Yeah, but uh, I'm just curious, Catherine, if it's the same for you that like you start with like or not maybe no start with, but like, is there a core theme song that when you hear it, when listening to the playlist, you're like, ah, that's the theme. That's like the actual theme. That's the end credits song. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's similar. I do have a couple of those um, for each book. And so with some books, it's different. But like. I'm trying to think for. um for the wild fall, it ended up being House of the Rising Sun. Um, nice. And for yeah, for, that's an awesome song to pick. Yeah, I mean, and it it worked for the that there was a scene that just needed something with that sort of gravitas, I guess, and that was the that was the thing. Um, and then in Lost Oblivion, it ended up being the song by Kansas, uh, which now the carry on my yes, on. thank you. That's carry the only on song I know by them. Um, oh, you know Dust in the Wind. No. Oh shit, that's them, isn't it? Totally Kansas, did not know. Kansas did Dust in the Wind. See, it's not known, dude. It's not common knowledge. No fucking way. I didn't know that, and I know. Ryan I didn't Moore. know it wasn't common knowledge. Wow. You're a That's, music teacher. You don't learning. fucking count. Third graders don't learn dust in the wind. No, but the shit you know <laughs> goes beyond a third graders level. All right. Been on the Apologies. Do they, you guys still do the recorder it's in elementary school? It's on here. You apologize. We do. Here. Right? We do. Why? I just did that with my fourth graders today. No, I That's mean, terrible. I apologize. That's like because- hell. Because somebody was answering a question and then we totally derailed it talking about Kansas. Yeah, we're talking about recorders. <laughs> and now we're on recorders. It yeah. works. Real quick, has anyone seen the music video for the animals song? House of the Rising not the animals. Um yeah, the animals, House of the Rising Sun. I don't think I've seen the video. There I'm pretty sure they're on the Ed Sullivan show and like there's heads, human heads mounted to walls. This is back in like it's either the fifties or early sixties and they're showing this on TV and it's fake, but it's just like, I'm pretty sure they didn't show shit like that back then, but it's right there. It's weird. It's like real. And it's fucking weird, but it's a great song. I love it. Sorry, cat. Go ahead. They also no, didn't, let, that was they it. didn't, they didn't <laughs> let Jim person say get much higher either. And he didn't anyway on that Sullivan show. So um, who is that? Jim Morrison. They told him they were like, don't say oh, that makes sense get much higher so then like the camera was right in his face and he was like can't get much higher yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think keith moon was the craziest rock and roller he's one of the wildest dude and then there was a night him and john bottom got together and they just got fucked up drunk trash hotel rooms like they did that they were young uh 20 year olds or teens 
That's what me and Ralston are going to do tomorrow night at Little Ghost Books. Come on down. Oh, my God. I wish I could be in Toronto tomorrow. (laughs) Gemma Files is just going to sit there and be like, I don't know these two. Oh, I forgot she's going to be there. That's cool as hell. Gemma's awesome. Gemma is awesome. When you look up up top horror westerns, her name in like three or four of her her, her horror westerns, they always come up on like every list. Excellent. X-Slayer is really good. Yeah, she's got a lot of respect in all the right areas. It's really cool to see it. She is so sweet. She seems it. I, I haven't talked to her much, but she seems very nice. She's a freaking scholar is what she is. Like, if you, like if, if you get her going on folklore or, like, or film, she will, she is, she will educate you. That's cool, yeah. Sal. Those are the yeah, best. She- Sorry, Keg. Um, we're all talking. We were asking Sorry. questions. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I, I'm good. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a panel discussion. This is what happens. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, we're not sure who has to talk. Someone off the rails. Yeah. So, um, let's get back on the rails. Writing journeys. So I'm actually going to start with Zach because I know the most about his and, and then we're going to get down to Kat and Robert, but uh, Zach, so let me just toot your horn just for a moment, sir. I am so proud of you. <laughs> let me start there because when I met you, I was new and you were like a fan of mine. And that was <laughs> only what, like two short, short years ago. And what you have done um, is nothing short of amazing. And when you, I think you already mentioned this a little while ago, you certainly hit the ground running. Right. And I could not be more proud of you. So let's start with you. And what has your journey been like since basically from when I met you at the first off the con that I was at and you were just a hopeful writer and just so happy to be there and happy to meet everyone. And you were just this aspiring author and man, look at you now. Like, and he's still such a sweetheart. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Once you're not, a so dick. what has that been like? And then what has been so far your most proudest moment or your most memorable because they're not always one in the same. So uh, there is one. This is this maybe a bit of a heavy story, and this was a kind of a cosmic coincidence. But um, probably the most memorable in this journey. Um, there's a story of mine that just came out. It's I think it's one of my best stories. It's called Sitting Shiva, and it's a Jewish ghost story. And this is story, this story, uh, Sitting Shiva, S H I V A. And it's based on a Jewish funeral tradition or, you know, post-funeral tradition. Yeah. Um, this was a story I submitted for the Deadlands. And it was a story I, I wrote with them in mind. Um, and they kind of put it on pause. They kind of put stuff on pause because they were doing a Kickstarter. So I was waiting like three months. And then Elise Tobler, who, Elise Catherine Tobler, who is an incredible editor, incredible writer, she ended up sending it back initially as a rejection. And it was basically saying that uh, she's like, you know, I love the story. It's great. It's just, I think it needs another dimension to work for me. It just like, you know, here's a suggestion on what I think expanding the ending could look like. And if you want to, if you want to do that, I'll reconsider. So I wrote it, sent it back. It's waiting, it's waiting, it's waiting. 
And during that time, um, unfortunately, that was when my grandfather passed away. And that was, um, you know, that was not unexpected. Um, he had been sick for a while. But the day I got that acceptance was actually the morning of his funeral for just before we had the funeral and the Shiva. So that is something that sticks out very much in my mind. And that was last December as probably, you know, even as much as the time they told me they wanted to do the book as the time when um, after StokerCon, I got the notice of, ben of fantasy and science fiction literally in the airport. Um, that, but the Deadlands is probably always going to be probably the most memorable to me. It's hard to think of something that would top that one right now because that one was, it, it really felt special and it was a real jot of positive and bittersweet emotion at that time. And it's why I dedicated that story to my grandfather. Yeah. That's so sweet. That's beautiful. Can I tell you guys something that's related to Zach that is also like, insulting to me but it's funny like i i'm not bragging yes. i've gotten complimented oh, being an editor but guess what i feel like a fucking idiot because i pat he told me i passed on a story dude i didn't know who submitted the the publisher like completely took off all the information and he told me i passed on a story and he turned that into his novella the western yep. and i'm like i suck <laughs> i I'm you that, missed that one. I'm that coach that didn't take <laughs> Michael Jordan his sophomore year. I'm that dumbass. No, you know, honestly, it was what happened was. How um, weren't you mad at me? <laughs> um, I was not. It was like, you know, I, 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 I sent it, and then I sent it to Brigitte's Gate, and Brigitte's Gate got back to me saying, hey, you know, how would you feel about expanding this? And so, I, mm. you know, like when I was writing it, when everything was done, I sent Pat, uh, I was like, Hey, I know this is weird, but thank you for rejecting me because otherwise I would not have this book. I was like, oh, great. And then I read it. I'm like, oh, I, I'm glad I could help, but I feel like the world's that guy that Michael <laughs> Jordan's dumbass, you know, varsity coach. Wait again. At least I Zach is like sweet enough that you knew he wasn't like, gee, thanks for rejecting me. <laughs> you no, know, because there's no sarcasm in your there. Your gut just has feelings about people. It's just when we don't listen to them, it gets messy. But with Zach, you just not, you know, not saying it's not with you guys, but with Zach, you just felt this feeling like uh, he's genuine. You just know yeah. he is. Well, we all have, um, there's a couple of us on here right now that are editors and we have, you know, it's not always about the story not being good enough sometimes we just want a type of tone we want a mood we, we want to feel and it also plays a lot into how we are feeling and thinking at the time we are reading it whether it hits with us or not it's never a personal rejection ever so i mean no it doesn't make you an ass because you passed on the greatest you know author to come out in the last you know 18 i'll never do months. that with zach again oh. in my life i will <laughs> okay. promise you that but no it, it's not a personal thing and if you're an author you know this now because we we just at times we just need it to hit us at that right time with that right tone that we want and maybe for you you're that right. day it just didn't hit the tone but look what it turned into though i mean the universe works out as it's supposed to. So hey, you know. Hey Zach, you okay? Yeah, I know. yeah, that was just oh, and let me just say that, you know, hot iron cold that that, that turned out really freaking great. Oh, you ended up reading it? 
I did. No, no I read he shunned you. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, I didn't <laughs> think he shunned me. I just don't. <laughs> if someone, even if someone buys a book, I'm not going to expect them or pressure them to read it. But it's a, it's like an honor. Like when an author you respect and are a fan of is says shit like that. I'm like, okay, pinch me. I'm sleeping because it's amazing. Like I, all of us want to be writers, I'm sure, our whole lives. So it's like when your peers actually respect you back, it's like, oh, this feels weird, and ne- you never get used to it. Or at least that's I feel me. good because I because I've read like everyone in this chat, and everyone here is like freaking awesome. Like I've read Catherine's books, I've read Rob's stuff. Right, uh, you know, like good. everyone just go like go check out Cat's books. Everyone go check out. You know, look, Rob Rob's got the stoker to say he's amazing. He doesn't. Yeah, mean right. <laughs> right. And for what is it, young adult book, right? And yes, I was there to watch it. And vile things is just it's making me feel shit, dude. dude. My, I've already said this on the show and online, but like when my wife and I went through a miscarriage, that was wild. That was crazy. And this book is bringing not and like I'm triggered with shit like that and abortions. And I'm reading this and like it hits in the right way because like I get to relive it in a fictional way and it's interesting mm-hmm. to watch. But um, I don't want to relive that. That was mm-hmm. a fucking terrible thing that will forever. You know, it stains you forever. But the character. Mm-hmm talks about like you know the baby uh eventually um i don't want to spoil it things happen and i don't know it i i just thought it was brilliant because it like makes me feel stuff I, I felt uncomfortable yeah but, like it it i like green shit like that thank you thank you i'm glad i like writing shit like that cool yeah, i'll keep reading it everybody. <laughs> yeah don't threaten so- me with a good time i will read all your books a lot okay don't test me Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Like that's, um, yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of, uh, a lot of women who've gone through exactly that. Um, you know, whether it was a miscarriage or they had an abortion for other reasons and it's not, no matter what, it's never easy. It's not like an easy decision. So it's for that to happen in the story, it's very difficult to deal with. And, uh, you know, the ramifications of that are still things that the, the women that I know who have ha- unfortunately gone through that um, for whatever reason, they still deal with it, you know, and it's, yeah, it's you know, PTSD. for some of them, it's decades later. Well, I mean, we'll never understand it fully, but like you're growing up, yeah. you literally have a symbiotic relationship and we can't say that shit. So like, that's why we can't understand it. So yeah. um, I got to imagine yeah. that's fucked up and hard to do and hard to move away from. Um, yeah. I actually want to jump to you, Kat, because the first time I read you, I, I was bugging you with messages just saying how much I liked it. And I found overall that you write in this really, in my opinion, a unique camp where it's like Peter Straub is one. Um, Candace does it, too, for sure. And like, I know Cynthia Palau kind of has her way of being poetic. And I, I'm I'm wondering if that's maybe me reading into something or if you have a background in poetry or if you have a style similar to that, am I totally off base? I could be. Uh, I have never been into poetry. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not to say that that's, you know, it's not uh, an influenced style. It's, I just, you know, I've, I've tried my hand at poetry and it's, it's not good. I feel um, like it's in your it's in your um, prose though. When I but, read it, anyways. Well, 
I appreciate that. Thank you. I um, are, there, we, are there authors that inspire you that are more lyrical, maybe than others? Maybe that's where that. Oh, kind of, that's he's probably at this asking question yeah. Thing. <laughs> that that is probably where it comes from. Like uh, Dylan Thomas, who you know, just phenomenal, creates incredible imagery in his work. Um, I think a lot of it might come from him. Um, and um, Joanne Harris, who, you know, wrote Chocolat, is just really, really good at, at painting a picture with words. So I, I like uh, I like evoking a sense of being able to see things. Mm. So sight and sound are kind of my two biggest things that I try to throw into my work as much as I can. You're definitely someone that focuses on detail, but it's not overbearing. It, it's cool. I like that when, um, like, if you're talking about a monster and you talk about certain aspects, focal points, you do that with your writing really well. Um, so that's another good point. Check out one of her books. It's it's like in your face, but it feels natural, <clears throat> the flow of the storytelling. Well, thank you. I, yeah. um, I, you know, I did do a, creative writing class in high school and I tried to write my first novel during that mm. and I found out how much detail is too much detail <laughs> while doing that class um you know I was going on talking about a room and all the little different things in the room and that was like this giant paragraph and the teacher's like yeah were you a fan of Tolkien in high school what was that? Were you a fan of J.R.R. Tolkien in high school? I, I am. I'm just asking because he talks about in great detail, like random shit, like trees or rocks or whatever. Yeah. No, I honestly, I did not read. Um, I did not read him in high school. No. Gotcha. That's the only author that I know like that. It's just Stephen interesting. King, Stephen King goes real deep with the details. That's sometimes. true. He does too. I'm sure there's a lot more. I'm just not thinking like of eight, eight paragraphs describing the smell of the fucking basement and it it's like all right he went down <laughs> to the basement he got the paraffin he went back up he got his arm ripped off land the plane he's wordy <laughs> he's I, very I, wordy i feel like if robert wrote it it would probably be cut i don't know what like 700 pages man easily <laughs> easily it would just be land the, kids. the plane <laughs> yeah land the plane that's always You're right like, out of gas yeah that's always thing. <laughs> land the plane right Enough backstory. Everybody just get the fuck back to Maine. <laughs> I yeah, everybody. I just I love Stephen King, trust me. But like sometimes too much is too much. A lot of uh, other authors do well. You know, I was trying to I forget what it was. I was trying to read something the other day and um I was just not feeling it. It was just it was taking too long to get going. Too long. And too long to really have any kind of narrative get going and i felt bad because it's something i was looking forward to and it just it was like this is a lot this is a lot i don't have the time for this it is what it is man yeah gotta grab you, can, you baby i mean yeah you can be friends with someone that is a fellow writer but you don't you don't have to love their art every time they put out a book um if you don't love it <clears throat> doesn't mean you don't love your friend any less you know I'm right here, Pat. Wow. Oh, shit. Wow. I thought he left. You sneaky bitch. 
All right. So when when Candace kind of mm. kicked us off, she started by saying, "You all have had, you know, a, a wonderful, action-packed year." So I wonder whether it's something you've learned in the last year, something you've kind of cultivated throughout your writing journey. What advice would you give to somebody trying to get going, um, as broad or as specific as you like? Uh, Zach, let's throw it to you. Oh, can you re uh, repeat that one more time? Didn't hear you. So, so what advice would you give somebody get go to who's trying to get their writing going, uh, given what you've learned in the last year or two uh, on your sprinting journey, as Candace put it? Ooh, what would I give someone advice now? Well, the first thing is um, think of a story only you can tell and then tell it and then think of the next one that only you can tell and tell that one too because no matter what anyone says, um, even if your story has been told in some way before, it hasn't been told by you. And there is always going to be an audience for every different kind of story. Um, it is entirely probable to put like, you know, you can put new twists, you know, um, Think about what makes you the right person to tell this particular story. Think about what you bring to the table. And also to repeat um, some advice I was given, it's not just talent, it's endurance. Um, there are times when you have to accept your story can be great. There is nothing wrong with it. It's just a matter of also luck at the time. It's, you know, fit, it's editor preference, it's anything under the sun. And also it's to remember that every single form of publishing is also valid. Um, getting something accepted, getting something into anthology, uh, putting it out yourself is 100% fine. But the main thing to never lose sight of is keep going, is get the stuff out there, um, don't give up. Always remember that a, pub a publication can tell you no 20 times and they can give t tell you yes the 21st. And that's really, and that's something that's really important to remember. I've been rejected by, you know, um, by publications every single time. And then, hey, you know, sometimes you send them just the right story at the right time and boom, it happens. And editors actually love that. They love seeing your name again. They love seeing something that they can eventually say yes to. Um, so yeah, that would be my advice. Um, you know, it's, it, it is disheartening. Um, it is tough sometimes. Find yourself the right people. Find yourself the friends to support you. You know, find find the right back channels to yell in when you need it. Um, have the people to you know pat your back, but keep at it. Yeah, and the endurance piece is just so big. Um, you know, even we were we were talking earlier with the anthology thing is you might send something in and it might get rejected not because of the quality, not because of anything you did wrong, but just because maybe the editor saw a story you know before yours that had some similar marks, and that's all it takes. Um, endurance and thick skin. Very, yeah, very, very uh, timely and good advice, Zach. Kat, same question. Advice for people trying to break into this ridiculous gig? Yeah, I mean, Zach covered a really good, broad <laughs> scope. Um, I will add that um, self-care is really important when you are being when you're when you're like going 110 percent um when you're out there trying to make connections marketing um going to you know an event every weekend but self-care is really important and that is something that i have personally discovered this year i did not give myself nearly enough of 
Um, so it's always important to make sure that you have time to recover properly uh, before you go 110% again. Yeah, is that, is, is that inspired by uh, your Saturday at Merrimack followed by your Sunday in Providence? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's wild. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, Rob will certainly say that I was maybe not the most lovely of people on Sunday. I was very anxious. Um, You're always a lovely person. Oh. oh I, I Thank you. I know. I, I was, <laughs> I was very, very anxious that day. Um, and I had a massive headache Aww. and it was because I did not leave enough time to like drive down to Rhode Island to take a moment to um, just get acclimated. And then I drove home immediately from there. So, uh, and that's not the first time I've done that this year where I've like just done too much. Um, I think my stint at Little Ghosts was the other, uh, the other thing where it was just like, yeah, nine hour round trip to Toronto might not have been the smart choice. So, yes, self care. Yeah, and 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 leaving yourself grace. You know, I, I talked to Patrick and Candice about this, but you know, um, uh, when when we met last Saturday at Merrimack, that was really the first. I would say big event that I've done and it was a blast and I was so glad to get to meet people like Kat and just all the people there and I had fun and I got books in readers hands and I was stressed to the fucking gills the week leading up to it and it, it and it just it felt so stupid because it was like I'm gonna get to see my friends even if they are you know my online friends but I'm I'm gonna get to talk books I'm it's gonna be a great day why am I stressed and it it's but at the same time, it's valid, you know, because it is, you know, something that you're doing to promote yourself. It's, it's, it's travel, it's, you know, finance stuff. It's, you know, did I order enough books? Did I order too many books? Um, so, yeah, that self-care piece is massively important, even if, even if the focus of that is just being mentally good to yourself and graceful to yourself and saying, hey it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Um, Rob, advice for newer writers. Get off social media. Nobody gives a shit about your cat or your coffee and stop chasing trends. That's all. Like, it's just, it. just do the goddamn work. That's beautiful, man. Land the fucking plane. <laughs> What's Land the plane. Land the, the plane. fucking plane. Land yeah. the fucking plane. <laughs> Land the fucking plane. <laughs> what is that? Is that from something? Land the plane? Yeah. The uh, Bullet Bob O'Tone. My dad, he used to say that all the time. When like a story was going too long, he'd be like, land the plane. Is that, okay, is that like a common phrase? I've never heard that in my life. Common to me. That's all I care about. Oh, yeah. okay. Doesn't answer nope. my question. <laughs> I heard it from you five minutes ago. I latched onto it like grim death. I love it. Take it, okay. baby. Okay. All right. It's the new catchphrase. <laughs> All right. So since we didn't get to everyone to answer my earlier question, thanks, Patrick. Um, oh, Catherine, bad. real quick, um, memorable moment for you so far 
in your writing journey. And then we'll ask Rob and then we can wrap up, I think. <laughs> um, so I've been professionally writing for 13 years. And this is the first year that I've actually had a book launch party at a bookstore. So nice. That's awesome. You got a great bookstore to do too. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, that was really special and really uh, meant a lot to me. So mm. that's awesome. I've not had one of those yet. So that's crazy. Too. You write so many. Fucking I don't books. think I've done anything the right way or the traditional way yet. I just kind of came out here and then suddenly I'm just here. So I have no idea. Candace, um, you're, you're like the rarest of exception uh, exceptions. You won't, I can't talk. I know you I'm won. Unique. You won. Two Splatterpunk awards in the first three years. It, it was a fluke. That's fucking that, like it, it that's insane. It was a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. You're just that good. So that's all. I'm saying. So the Candace, the next, the next mm -hmm. book, Candace, just set up a really fun book release party. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to do any of that. Um, you call I mean, the bookstore. There's step number no, one. See, that's not what I mean. See, step one, you have to kind of believe people are going to come to something like that. And I don't. So, <laughs> oh, I just do what I do online and hope that something lands somewhere because I've not really had luck in people actually personally showing up to anything I've ever attempted to do in life. So I just kind of keep everything online and I keep my head down and I just keep it moving. So maybe one day I'll get to that point where I try to like submit something or do something like in person around here or do any of that. But right now I just do what I do and <laughs> I don't know. Well, but anyway, if, Robert, most if you ever want to do, if you ever want to do a thing in New York for a book release, I can take care of that for you. That'd be awesome. You're lovely, sir. Can I just come visit you in New? York? Because sure. we definitely need to hang out. And, like we and missed at, each uh, other last time. At Erica T. Worth, she is awesome. Yeah, Robert, most memorable, and I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, uh, most memorable <laughs> was. <laughs> I think the, like winning the Stoker. Yeah, was is super memorable, and that's mm. like something that's going to be with me forever. But the night I was, I found out I was officially nominated was like, that's burned in there more. Yeah. And I heard from Zach, which was very, and Catherine and Patrick, you messaged me as well. Candace, you messaged me too. Brennan, you didn't. So fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, All right. You can I, say fuck I messaged you, you when you won though. So I mean, <laughs> little credit. I, just I was there when he won. It was weird. That's oh, you guys got to see Joe Lansdale's speech. That is legendary. That was, yeah, that was really amazing. But um, that's so cool. I think like the night that I found out I was nominated was the weirdest thing because I was home by myself. My wife wasn't there. She was out at uh, she was having dinner with a friend or something, and I was sitting there in my office, and I had a lecture. I do these serial killer lectures uh, for different libraries and colleges and stuff, and. I had a lecture in like 20 minutes and I was sitting there and I found out I was officially nominated and I, uh, I have a picture of my dad on my writing desk and I just kind of looked at the picture and I started crying uh, and it was weird. It was hard and it was weird. And I called my wife to tell her. And then when I won and I started crying, it was a lot. 
So it was like kind of both of those things. Yeah. Both of those things. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. You are. Oh, good. It's all good. You know, That's he'd sad. be happy. You know, he'd be yeah. happy. I gotcha. He would be. He'd be proud as fuck of you, dude. You, I hope so. Thank you. It was yeah. nice. You know, it was really the night winning. Um, you know, Todd Keesling was there, and, and it was nice. And like Langan was there, and Cisco, and like it was. It mattered a lot. Sonora Taylor, Amanda Headley, Zach, Candice. Mm -hmm. Like it's ha winning and being surrounded by people that you admire. And like, you know, it was just really cool. It was really cool to be surrounded by people you like and admire and, you know, yeah. really enjoy their stuff. And then seeing them cheer for you was really lovely. That's awesome. Sounds like a dream, dude. Yeah. That was close. Yeah. No, that's amazing. All right. Um, Patrick, you got any more questions? Do you want to move into final thoughts from you or Brennan? Um, I was just going to, yeah, final thoughts. I was going to hit that up next. All right. Uh, cat final thoughts. No thoughts. Um, well, anything. <laughs> it's like, you can say anything, cat. <laughs> I know it's a very big final question, thoughts. Um, yeah, I, well, I really enjoyed this conversation with everybody. Um, and, I am so tired. I <laughs> um it is late. It's quarter it's, of eleven. Yeah. Holy shit. Um <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Just you know, long day at work. Land the plane, cat. Yeah. I'm <laughs> it's all land the plane. <laughs> yeah. Plane landed. Okay. Thank you guys for having having me here. Absolutely. Thank you Check for joining us, cat. <laughs> Oh yeah, I should have said something about yeah. Check out my books. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yes. They're link in the show know, notes, people. Like sad stuff. You can find my books: Wild Chilly. Dark, Wild Fall, Hell of Oblivion, Lost Oblivion. And we can find you where on Twitter. On you, you can find me everywhere. everywhere. I'm on every go. platform. Perfect. Zach, final yes, final thoughts. Um, yeah, likewise. It's I. I was driving from Fort Lauderdale to St. Petersburg. I'm meeting Wendy tomorrow. We're doing a book signing at a Barnes and Noble. Um, the room the hotel initially gave me was occupied by someone else, which was a very interesting experience. It's already giving me a horror idea. <laughs> so, is that the Jewish um, slasher one? No, 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 no. I got I, I got no. ideas for that. I I I got some ideas. I'm okay. Gonna start pretty soon. But um, yeah, uh, final thoughts would be, you know, um, going to be say, check out everyone here's work, check out uh, Hot Iron Cold Blood, check out the vile <laughs> thing we created, check out, uh, you know, all of Brennan's stuff, Noose and Slattery Falls and everything Kat just said, and check out Candace's stuff. Um, you know, you actually, you probably don't even need to check out Robert's stuff. Everyone else here is really good, though. Just plus with you, Robert. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> the first shot fired at your way that night, man. Thank God. Yeah. Took you guys long enough. <laughs> no, no, Robert. I'm, I'm really happy for you, man. I know how hard you worked. You burned it. Um, and hey, I would also say check out my books. Uh, Hunger's as old as this land. Long Shalom. Yeah. And I've got uh, 
the Devils in the Deep Blue Sea are coming is coming out next year, and I've got another one um, that should be out next summer called The Unquiet Grave with Brigades Gate Press. So all goes well. Things are you know looking up. You're gonna be just gonna be writing more um, and trying to get stuff out there. Sweet. And we can find you where, sir? And you can find me uh, still on Twitter because I am just the die hard who will just not let things go. Just uh, going down with the ship. <laughs> yeah. Well, Putting a very dark spin on land the plane right now. Uh, Captain right. Rosenberg. <laughs> so um, it's at Zach Rose Writer. Um, Z A C H R O S E Writer. Um, I'm going to be working on that website soon, which I keep saying I just don't get around to, but it's going to be soon. And I also have Instagram at um, I believe it's Zach Rose Thirty Two. So come find me. <laughs> we'll find you, Robert, sir. Uh, definitely check out Cat's work. Definitely check out Mr. Rosenberg's work. I especially like the Long Shalom. I really, really, really love that. And I love Kat's work so, so much. Uh, I was very happy to co-host the Hot Iron Cold Blood panel. Uh, that is a fantastic anthology, which everybody should pick up thank as you. well. And you did and a great job as a host. Thank you. I and appreciate you're natural. it. Well, thank you. No, you really and are. You were really, really good. You I appreciate take, it. Yeah, you should replace me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. This is fun. All right, I'll I shut thought the that up. was my job. Oh, God damn it. I, I was only kidding. And definitely um, check out the unicorn killer because that is cuckoo bananas and I loved it. Um, but yeah, and you can check out my stuff. Uh, Wrapped in Plastic and Other Sweet Nothings is my new collection from Journal Stone. Very excited about that. Covered by Don Noble. That I on the cover will follow you. I've I make no apologies about it because I didn't paint it. And uh, pick up Curse of the Cobman. It is preposterous and bloody and silly. And uh, I Sounds really, amazing. I'm really happy with that book. And uh, the vile thing we created is still, still doing well, uh, according to the publisher, who only uh, tells me how things are going via emojis now. That is his only. Are you serious? Only, yeah, it's. Are you working uh, with a fifteen-year-old man? <laughs> no, he's so like I know I've kind of deciphered. You know, like he puts like the sunglass smile emoji if something is like really good, and then he sends like the big grin emoji if things are pretty good. Right, so did he tell you his system, or is this just like your your guess? It, like it's sort of my like guesstimate. I got you. Oh, it Sounds is, fucking but... weird, man. Sounds like a fake publisher. Yeah, he's he's out there for sure. He's a good he's a good guy, but he is out there. I love him. But um, yeah, be on the lookout for uh, for those things. And I have some stuff coming soon that I'll be announcing. Um, some more work with Weird House Press, and uh, I have something coming with Cemetery Gates as well. But nice. in the meantime, pick up the vile thing and. Uh, wrapped in plastic and Cobman, but you can find me on the Twitter and Instagram at Robert O'Tone and blue sky. I'm there too. I don't know. That's a weird place right now. It's all weird. It is all weird. I understand like most of this shit. Like (laughs) why the fuck did Elon have to get this goddamn website? He fucked up like the perfect. Thank you. Candace. That was my final thoughts. I'm just kidding. Now that counts. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> thank you all for uh, hanging out with us late as hell on a Friday night. Um, 
gave me an excuse to get into some of these books that I have been meaning to get to. I got to read Zach's book, The Long Shalom, in addition to his Western that I read last year or earlier this year or at some point. I, got, know, uh, I just finished up The Wild Dark by Cat. Uh, I got to read Wrapped in Plastic, and I am a little bit into Vile Things. So, I mean, I am just surrounded by wonderful literature. And, Rob, I'm so sorry I didn't send you a message when you got nominated. I'll, uh, <laughs> when you get nominated next year, I'm going to send you a message. All right? You owe him two messages. I'm so going to send you two messages. You send him two messages next They're year. both going to be emojis. <laughs> you're gonna have no fucking clue what they mean <laughs> i wish you were making that up but i know you're not that's weird man oh that ain't normal God, that was good <laughs> actually i think it's great so that's how i'm gonna communicate from now on but i'm gonna use all vegetables good <laughs> luck oh you gotta all avoid right. certain ones no oh, and it's your final thoughts entirely emojis. go <laughs> what the fuck i didn't even reply to that in emojis. In emojis. Just, a chat. No, just say the say emojis. Be like I'll say emojis. Um, let me see. It's a waste of uh, the staring face emoji, because what the fuck, okay. Brennan? <laughs> um the big grin emoji. Uh koala bear, koala bear, whale, snowman. Sunglass emoji, damn strawberry, God damn and bird. a dragon. What does that mean? No one knows. I don't even it's... think it's winter in Australia anymore. So, um, no. good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> Challenge accepted. All right. Do you do you have real final thoughts? Wait, would you like I, I didn't mean to pigeonhole now? you. <laughs> okay. So, final thoughts. Thank you to all. You guys are all some of my favorite folks on the planet. Zach, you already know this. Robert, <laughs> sorry, you already know. Kat, you are just amazing in every way. I've met you. I have read you. I think you are just fantastic. Also, it's late as hell. So, thank you for just being here, being exhausted. And it's been fun. Zach, I meant it when I said give me hungers too. The minute you finish it, I'm not joking. I will stalk you. Yes, ma'am. Um, Robert, as right. far as help me do, I don't know, something in the public with the public <clears throat> for just me personally, I, I don't even know, dude. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, and other final thoughts. Let me see. Read everybody here because they're fantastic. I am a fan of every single person here. Um, read me, I guess, if you like. I've been told that I do some fun stuff here and there. And if you don't want to read me, that's also fine. But if you want to know who to read, check out the website, Uncomfortably Dark, and you'll find a lot of indie folks there and book reviews, interviews, and everything else you might want to know about. That's not me. So there, there, there you go. You're Great up. show, and thanks. <laughs> now, I didn't get final thoughts yet. Oh, but you did. No, that was bullshit. I was just being oh, okay. an idiot. I was just gonna say, like, I'm proud of this. They mentioned it. Oh, it's blurring it out. It's hot iron and cold <laughs> I thought it wasn't gonna happen twice. It was weird. It's fucking weird experience to become an editor. So if you want to hear that, check out the hot iron and cold blood panel with Rob and Candace being the co-host. But seriously, you guys appreciate you taking the time and um 
just being really it, it was fun it was interesting hearing what you guys had to say you guys seriously all are great writers and candace's unicorn story is my favorite unless unless i feel like frogger might beat it just because i like the name so much frogger is not a humorous story oh then it's probably not gonna beat it because now Trump. i only see well, elijah thanks. wood okay, as frank but... Because of you. So, like, that's a Listen, if we can get Elijah Wood to make that into a movie with his production, I'm all in. If anybody can make that happen. Ooh, that's how I, that'd be a good gift to give you. I'm going to work on that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, right. Watch out, world. Okay. So, thank you, everyone, for being here. Appreciate it. Listeners, thank you. Next episode is 217 with Keith Rossin, author of Fever House. And as always, we appreciate you stopping by or whatever I say for my outro. Thanks for checking out.